0: Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I wrote the dog bible, everything your dog wants you to know, as well as the cat bible, everything your cat expects you to know. This episode features one of the three guests who were part of my weekly hour-long NPR show, broadcast over the air every Sunday on WLIW-FM 88.3, the only NPR station on Long Island where it is broadcast continuously for 15 years. This show is about dogs, cats, and other creatures who share the planet with us. Please check out my other Pet Talk podcasts at tracyhotchnerpets.com. I'm also the founder and director of the annual New York Dog Film Festival, which travels the country supporting local animal welfare groups after a New York City premiere every October, alongside my annual New York Cat Film Festival brought to you by Dr. Elsie's. This show would not be possible without the longtime support of Waruva, the pet food company founded and privately run by David Foreman, who named it after his rescued kitties, Webster, Rudy, and Vanessa. Waruva is a quirky name for a company with whimsical names for the dozens of different cans and pouches of cat food they make. But what sets them apart is how serious David is about high-quality nutrition. They were the first pet food company to use human edible ingredients and process them in the same facilities that make human food, remaining privately owned and run, accountable only to their own high standards. This show was also made possible with the generous support of Dr. Elsie's, the privately owned litter and cat food company founded by Dr. Bruce Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian. He personally created many styles of litter to make sure that even the fussiest cats would not have out-of-litter box problems, the number one reason people abandon their cats. Dr. Elsie also created his own brand of cat food called Clean Protein, the first dry cat food I can recommend because it's based on the protein found in a cat's natural prey. I'm also grateful to Earth Animal, which is privately owned by Dr. Bob and Susan Goldstein, where they create holistic pet wellness products with an emphasis on their stewardship of the Pet Sustainability Coalition. Earth Animal makes a dazzling array of healing products for dogs and cats, as well as the innovative dog chew, no hide, and the hybrid dry food, Wisdom, which is sometimes all that my picky Weimaran or Maisie will eat. I have a really unusual book and author today. One that I wasn't sure what it was going to be, but once I opened the first page, I thought, I love this book already, and I have to jump in. Now, it's not about dogs. It's not about cats. It's only vaguely, barely, a little bit about animals and a little bit about trafficking in exotic birds, but the main thing is, it's utterly delightful. A wonderful woman who does a lot of cat rescue had sent me an email saying my friend Wendell Thomas wrote, writes these books. And this one's called Cheap Trills, a Sid Redondo mystery. And I just have to say, Elizabeth, who calls herself Wendell as an author... This book is just absolutely so unique and funny and delightful. And I thought, well, too bad if it's not about dogs or cats. It's about life and people. And it's just it's just so funny. You're so funny. Are you funny like this in real life or only on the page? Oh, God. I have no idea. You do? Do people, do people are people chuckling around you all the time the way I chuckled right through your book? Well, I that's
1: very kind of you to uh, my husband I can make my husband laugh. So oh, that good. so I guess that's that's good. And I do I, I get occasional laughs out of my students. So I guess it's okay. But I there's something about Sid's voice that just comes through me and that's kind of separate from my regular life. So
0: That's a really interesting point. I mean, I we hear this sometimes from authors that the voice of a particular character who sometimes appears to them in like a fever dream. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but not entirely. (laughs) Just, it it happened to me once with a book, and I was like, who is this person? And they just want me to tell their story in their voice. Was it like that, or did you kind of hone her, the the voice of this extraordinarily chic, impossible uh, she's just so wonderful, travel agent in Brooklyn. She's so great. Uh, I'm sure. I, I actually read one of the comments from an author who who gave you a comment on your book, saying that you were sort of like a Brooklyn Carl Hyassin. And I don't know if I'm even pronouncing his last name correctly, but he has written so many hilarious books about set in Florida and the the characters there. And yours are all in, pretty much invented by you. I'm sure Brooklyn has. Many interesting characters, but I don't know if there's bars the way there's bars in cheap trills. I mean, are there? Are you a Brooklynite or did you
1: invent um, I that? Spent, I spent some time in Bay Ridge, which is where Sid is from, and the the neighborhood embraced me in such an amazing way that they gave me all their secrets. And um, so, and the the series is set in two thousand six, two thousand seven. So it was a little less you know, built up than it right. is, but I, um, but I cannot tell you how lovely everyone was there. And they really gave me a sense of the neighborhood. And, and the funniest thing that I found was when I went into, um, the bookstores, the women said, you know, we, we can't go anywhere quickly because if we are going to the dry cleaners or the grocery store or where we're going, we'll see at least like 10 people. Wow. We knew in second grade, or what <laughs> or, you know, and I just thought that was such a hilarious yes. thing, and also something someone could really love but also want to escape. And so, I that's when I decided to set it in Bay Ridge. And well, she, you, she, you, she, you,
0: it, you, you definitely captured it that whole feeling really well because everyone in the book remembers the other people in the book from a long time ago. <laughs>
1: Well, I hope so. It's been fun to populate the books, I have to say.
0: Now, you said when you went in the bookstore there. So I understand, particularly with mystery novels or thrillers, which yours is not really, I think it's just a humanistic uh, shaggy shaggy bird or, or exotic <laughs> place tale. Does, are the people that live in the place that you set your books, are they the ones who rush to buy it first? Is it really true that readers are that egocentric that they really if they live in Portland, I mean, I'm not saying you know the answer to this any more than the rest of us, but is it true that if they live in a place, they all want to buy a book about the place? Has that proven true for you?
1: Well, it's interesting. I mean, I think some people have bought it in Bay Ridge and and they do I think carry it in the bookstore and it's in the library, but I do know my husband writes True Crime and he said Fairbanks, and I tell you, people in Alaska have bought that book up like you know pancakes or something. No so, kidding. Do, yeah, so I do think it it does people you know kind of want to read about the place. But since I'm not from Bay Ridge, you know, I'm an interloper in a way. I don't know how they all feel about it. Really, do you well, know
0: I mean, I I bought it. I bought that you were that character and you were on those bar stools and with your little nips of, of booze oh my god she's such a funny character is your husband from Fairbanks Alaska No he's English so you don't have to so I mean he's he's fooling them even better than you
1: yeah well he well he couldn't really fool them because of his accent but he but yes he's on the page as well on the page he can so yes so we both are writing um, things you know we both based a lot of our stuff on research and meeting people you know, just listening to people. That's really wonderful. You ha-
0: yeah, you definitely have quite the ear. I, I think what, what grabbed me, the, the idea that there is this competition for elderly travelers, sort of bargain travelers between two travel agents in this area, and both of them are dressed to the nines and complete bitches to each other. And and rivals and doing undermining things including puncturing tires it's just such a funny idea we we it's so real it's so you know down the street the neighborhood as opposed to i don't know cybercrime or something most of us have no idea what that even is <laughs> i think it's great because it feels so real i mean that's that I, the human part of it and i think you must have gotten the details right you certainly had me convinced that you had grown up there um, when you called it Cheap Trills, was the the issue of the birds that it doesn't come into the book until about two-thirds of the way through, at which point I thought, hurry up, Elizabeth Wendell Thomas. Can you hurry and get the animals in this book? And then I thought, oh, the heck with it. It's so good and so funny that... There's lots of people who listen to the show that no longer have a dog or a cat or maybe never had a dog or a cat, but I I do think a lot of my audience loves books, and it's just so wonderful to read a book that just makes you laugh about humans and the human condition, and there's no politics, you know, which is not very funny anyway these days. No war, no politics, just hilarious travel stuff. I mean, you, you capture Bali brilliantly. I was only there extremely briefly, but... You really, you've got it so nailed, and I and I know you say, in, at some point in the preface, "Hey, I really like Bali. The Balinese are great. Love you, babe." But really, reading it, you're like, "Yeah, don't go to Bali with all the venomous snakes and the bugs and and all the shots you have to get." So, what about
1: was that research in person or or just uh, that just was re- that was research because I wrote the book during that pandemic. But I was very, very lucky. I have three friends who lived in Bali for extended periods. There are a lot of very – so they could tell me the smells and things like, you know, people selling gasoline and vodka bottles on the side of the road and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, Then there's some fantastic books on Bali. But also this was the luckiest thing that happened to me, Tracy, is that I managed to find – there was a reference to a woman in one of the books I read who was a travel agent in Bali. And it turns out that she ran a travel agency there for 50 years. Oh, my God. She just sold it in 2019. And it was really hard to track her down. But I finally found her. And she had written a memoir. And so I do mention it in the acknowledgments. Oh, yeah. And so she was like, I mean, and her memoir helped me so much. And then the hilarious thing was, even though I hadn't known about the memoir, She is a redhead and she also wears heels all the time. And actually, there's an anecdote in her memoir so she's very much Sid in real life, that the one time she tried to wear flats, she broke her hip. Oh, that's funny. So because there I'm, is a lot
0: of of designer high heels in the book, yeah. and sometimes using them as weapons. And <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of Balenciaga purse and a lot of fancy high heels, which is part of what makes it so funny, is that there's there's a bit of fish out of water at times. But yeah. but that's part of you know, life, you see people dress certain ways or behaving certain ways, and you think you can make a an assumption about them that isn't necessarily uh, logical. I, I, there, there's something about, I don't know, the first line in the book is, eat, pray, barf. Elizabeth Gibbler's bestseller was ruining 2017, and then you talk about eat, pray, love. And I just thought, this is going to be so funny. I don't know what this is going to be a send-up of, but it's definitely a send-up. So I would love, you and I together pulled out a a little section for you to read to just give a sense of the funny of the book. I mean, that's my desire is for people to know that it is really a rollicking tale full of most unusual people, but so many funny throwaway lines like throwaway, throwaway. You know, you don't, you don't daven over your funny. You just throw it in there and move right along. And I guess that's what's really great about humor when it's not. There's not a ba 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 boom, right? It's just it just woven well, know, right through it. I mean, it.
1: I think the best humor and this is also just if you look at Lucille Ball or whatever, it's just she's totally serious in everything that she's doing. Do you know what I mean? And well, that's it, a good point. Yeah. A joke. And so I think for Sid, Sid is very serious about saving animals, about rescuing her clients, about you know all of that. But I think that it's the way that she goes about it where I'm able to you know kind of inject the humor, I think.
0: Yeah. That voice that, that, that talks through you or that once you let her loose, she just, she just went on a rip, didn't she? (laughs)
1: Yes, she did.
0: All right. So set up this, this little segment or at least give a sense of where and
1: why we are. Okay. Absolutely. So at this section, little section, I'm going to read, Sid has wound up in the West Bali National Park and um, she has heard in the hotel where she's staying that there are only seven Bali starlings left in the wild in Bali at this period in 2007. And right before the section starts, she's actually seen them be poached and abandon a nest of eggs. And at the moment, there's a snake um, moving towards the nest. So we'll pick up here. Okay. Did snakes eat eggs? Could I survive without my phrase book? Well, if the snake landed on me, I wouldn't need it anyway. I knew from my research that 50% of blue crate bites were fatal and they didn't have any anti venom on Bali. I grabbed my book out of my Balenciaga and ran toward the tree where the snake was in the process of unfurling too close to the nest. I had spent so much of my youth being chastised for throwing like a girl that I had much to my brother's shock and chagrin, gone to softball camp. I lifted my arm, sighted my prey and hurled my entire collection of facile and overused Indonesian phrases at him. I heard a loud thump, and then a more alarming scramble in the leaves near my feet, along with an extended hiss, reminiscent of ska in the Jungle Book. The snake regarded me. I stayed completely still, but tried to give it the look Sister Ellery had given me when I talked in algebra. It inched forward. I made my eyes as dried up, bitter, and sex-deprived as I could, which, frankly, wasn't that hard. (laughs) It curled backward and eased away from the banyan tree and from us. I removed my shoulders from the top of my head. Once I couldn't see or hear the snake, I went back to get my supplies, which included my emergency tube skirt. There was no way I could do what I was going to do in pants, however loose. Then I took off my stilettos. Who needs better crampons than those? I couldn't just throw, I had also learned to climb trees to get away from the men in my family and a few neighborhood German shepherds. I put my bag over my shoulders, gripped the shoes, and used the heels to hook into the knots of the banyan tree. At least no one but insects and snakes were below to be flashed by my turquoise Casabella thong. I had hoped, in paradise, someone other than warrior ants might see it, but at least I was wearing one. <laughs> I footed my way up the tree and neared the nest hole. I cramped my way higher, threw my legs up, and landed most of me on the branch above. Would the mother bird really not come back? Was there a snake in there already? It didn't matter. My new motto was, no starling left behind. I'd seen my brusens crack too many boiled eggs with a knife to trust my stiletto heel as an exploratory device. So I edged the rounded part of the sole on the end of the hole in hopes it would coax out anything inside. Then I waited. Finally, I shone my mini flashlight into the hole. It was filled to the brim with layers on layers of tiny twigs and nestled on top of what looked like sprigs of green grass. There they were, four turquoise eggs, just a shade lighter than my thong. I gasped. But how the hell was I going to get them out intact? I needed something I could edge the eggs onto, then lift up and over. Then I had an idea. My padded balconet bra, two eggs, each side.
0: Just It's so perfect because she's so into her trappings of status, right? And (laughs) and feminine wiles because there's a whole thing in the beginning of the book about Valentine's Day and how she doesn't really have any way to survive it or, or be at the right place with the right person. And there she is with all of her accoutrement of a fancy life and putting them to use to save these little endangered bird eggs. It's it's just, I think the juxtaposition in the book of her being a person who cares about things and then only also cares about nonsense is just a wonderful description, I think, of how humans really are. I mean, there, there aren't any pure saints. There aren't any pure St. Francis's, but you can have one dressed in, in most unusual costumes for that role, as she is, and have it be really believable, Elizabeth. But let's say it again, Wendell Thomas, because she has of she has a pseudonym now, a nom de plume. We we only have another minute left, Elizabeth. But did you it, is that something that in your research you decided you should have a non gender specific name?
1: Oh, um, it's actually my middle name. Oh. So, yeah, it's just my middle name. So I just used that. But, yes, I started out as a screenwriter, and it was always helpful yes. um, when those scripts landed on someone's desk for someone not to assume it was chiclet. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: so, no, so I, I
1: do. That for writing.
0: I do. And my, we, we've name. run out of time, but i just like to say that is still the world we live in. So <laughs> those of you that see Wendell Thomas, it is – a female person, not that that's either here nor there, but certainly she inhabits the female character of Sid Redondo incredibly well. The book is Cheap Trills. It's one of a series. I highly recommend that you do. What I'm going to do is go back and find some more, whether they have animals in them or not. Thank you for being here and thank you for having such a delightful view on the human condition.
1: Ah, oh, Thank you, Tracy. I was delighted to be here. It's a real thrill. Thank you so much.
0: I hope you enjoyed the show. There's a few more special companies that make the show possible, and I hope you'll try their products because they support my mission to entertain you with valuable information and advice. I want to thank Wonderside, founded by a woman entrepreneur who discovered an effective natural way of using plant-powered products to repel fleas, ticks, and other parasites on our pets instead of putting toxic chemicals in or on them wonderside makes it possible to protect your pets children and property without the chemicals that could be harmful to all of us the show is also underwritten by evermore pet food privately owned by two dedicated women who take human edible ethically sourced ingredients and gently cook dog food that is then frozen in pouches and shipped right to your door they founded and run their own company and answer only to their own high standards Finally, we're supported by Magic Fabric Pet Throws, developed by a husband-wife team whose expertise in the textile industry solved the problem of their big, hairy dog, Molly, who got on the couch in bed with them despite her wet fur, muddy paws, and shedding. Sound familiar? They created machine-washable Magic Fabric Pet Throws to trap pet hair, dirt, and moisture, letting you enjoy dog and cat cuddle time without sacrificing your clothes, furniture, or decor. You can buy direct from the creators at magicfabric.com.